going on, guys? Kira Nedley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast. This is episode 12, I think. I kind of just literally, I just hit start and just started recording and just started speaking. But today, we're going to talk about the science behind stress and anxiousness, what the science is behind it. Okay, literally, I just spent literally 10 minutes just writing a bunch of notes. So this is pretty much off the bat. I literally decided on this topic about... 10 minutes ago when I started writing notes. And so it's gonna be the science behind this, but also the science as to how to improve your ability to handle stress and anxiousness. So we're gonna talk literally the science behind the brain itself and how you can rewire it down to the neural, the cellular level. It's very interesting actually, a lot of the stuff that I've sort of been learning about recently. I'm very, very excited. A lot of stuff that um, that a lot of brain, uh, doctors in the brain region and the gut region have been talking about uh, as of late over the last two, three, four years, have been doing a lot of studies in these areas, especially uh, specialists in brain scanning uh, have actually found a lot of benefits um, around things like meditation. So I'm really excited to talk about this stuff. So I just wanted to sort of jump straight into it because I wanted to keep this a little bit shorter than 50 minutes if I can. I'm going to try to get down to 40 minutes also because I have a FaceTime with one of my bros back in New Zealand. I'm excited for that. Uh, but anyway, guys, I hope you're all doing amazingly. And I know you guys, um, your, your guys' time is valuable. My time is valuable. We all have um, you know limited time. So I want to make this as efficient as possible and relay this information as smoothly, concisely, clearly, and uh, and um, uh, I guess in a good order um, as possible. <laughs> I don't even, yeah, that was terrible. Uh, and I will not blow my nose this time. I won't demonstrate breathing techniques because if you listen to my last podcast, I literally just blew snot everywhere. Uh, yeah, anyway, carrying on. So basically stress and anxiousness, okay, is sort of, as two different things, one sort of leading into the other, um, but they can both be created without the other at the same time. So stress is obviously just something that is occurring consistently in the body, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whatever it is, okay, there's a lot of different ways it can occur. It can occur through stress when you're doing a bicep curl, okay, that's applying physical stress to the body. It can um, be stressed through an, an emotional stress, okay, so you think of a thought and all of a sudden you're stressed because of that thought, okay. It can be something like um, like stress within your religion, okay? So stress with um, that spiritual, okay? Stress that comes from something during meditation, okay? That that's more related to emotional, but still spiritual. So there's there's a lot of different ways that you can apply stress, okay? Now anxiousness is generally stress, but it's acting in the future, okay? So it's not stress about something that's been happening, but stress about something that's going to happen. So it's more, it's again, it can be produced through stress but it's more related towards something that might or could be occurring in the future, more towards uh, the fear of the unknown or the fear of the worst case scenario. So now when anxiety, symptoms of anxiety occur, okay, a lot of the time it comes down to the fear of the unknown or the fear of um, these multiple um, uh, poor situations, worst case scenarios that we produce in our head. Literally, we're constantly thinking, um, the worst case scenario could happen. And the crazy thing is we think so strongly about this that our reticular activating system, our RAS part of the brain, it goes to work to create this. How many times have you been, for example, in a relationship with someone and you're constantly so, you're so 
desperately concentrated on proving that this person is doing or acting this particular way that you have in your brain that you almost go about creating it. You almost actually lead that person or make give that person as many opportunities as you can to create that situation for you. That's the easiest example I come to think of because I've done this before. I'm sure many of you have done that before. I'm sure many of you have had that done to you before and you almost feel like that the person's almost pushing you towards it. Um, and it's crazy how when we get these ideas in our brain, uh, we go, literally go about creating those. Um, so that's why um, I'm going to talk a lot about meditation and how this can actually go about helping you pre- um, and preventing you from manifesting and creating these situations based off your own neurological pathways that are going on about um, in your brain. Okay, so that's that's basically what it is. Okay, now the root cause of a lot of this is down to the cellular neurolo- neurological um, depth of the brain. Okay. So I'm going to get into that in a second, but really, um, the the deepest stuff comes from when we're young, when we're in our first six years of life. If you've heard my podcast with the holistic psychologist, Nicola Pera, um, she goes into this, which is the theta brain state. And basically what it is, is it's in your first six years of life where you're consuming information. Okay. So it's basically learning how to breathe. Oh no. Well, yes. Okay. How to breathe, but how to walk, how to talk, how to eat, how to do all the basics of life, how to live. Okay. But you also adapt all the more subtleties um, or the greatest subtleties of life. So that can come down to things like learning, uh, um, let's say learning how to act in a situation where someone uh, gives you something. Okay. So how to be polite. Okay. Or it could be how to react in a situation when someone rejects you or neglects you, or you're in a group group situation. A perfect example is, um, is I would have observed um, like one of my parents, okay, um, being very conservative in a group situation. And then I would have adopted this, hence why in my middle school years, I was very reserved in group situations. Okay, so it's something that we sort of uh, take on and it's very interesting how we sort of adopt this. We, we don't listen to what our parents says, we watch what they do. Okay, um, and I take that back, we do listen to what they say, but it's more about what they do that we sort of take on because we see this a lot more frequently than just what they say. However, there is the idea of um, the parent saying, sit down, do as you're told, shut up, be quiet. Um, you know, do what I say, not what I do. All, all this sort of, all, all these sort of phrases, terminologies lead us down the path of, um, of sitting down, shutting up, being quiet, doing as we're told. It's, um, and, and if we're not doing any of that stuff, then we sort of feel uncomfortable um, and, and we sort of feel almost anxious about doing this um, outside of what we've developed down to the neurological level due to our theta brain state. Okay, that's the first six years of life that's really developing these pathways, these neurological pathways uh, for us. Now, the good thing about the fact that they were created, um, yes, we're born with many, but um, for example, the optic nerve is a um, is a form of a neurological pathway, uh, which is the connection between the brain and the eye. Okay, so that's you're born with that, but you've also got um, neurological pathways that are created. Okay, so in your theta brain state, um, the first six years of life, you're creating all these new neurological pathways, which are patterns. Okay, so basically we get this ingrained, and this becomes our subconscious. Okay, we live in our subconscious ninety five to ninety eight percent of the time. We have seventy thousand. 
thousand plus thoughts a day and 95% to 98% of them are the same every day because we live in our subconscious, okay? If that makes sense, okay? So if you kind of see the correlation, if we live that much that much time in our subconscious, we're also, um, that those same patterns and same thoughts are occurring leading to the fact that 95 to 98% of our thoughts are the same as yesterday's. How scary is that, okay? If you're thinking of a negative thought right now, I can guarantee it, you subconsciously thought it yesterday. Um, obviously, we're, we're, more, we're only sort of consciously concentrating on certain thoughts, but there's a whole lot of subconscious thoughts occurring in the background, which is why in depression, um, and, and by the way, this is a very, this is a very, um, this is a big topic close to my heart. Um, as many of you may know or may not know, depression is something that I've struggled with deeply. I never got to the depth of suicide, but I can understand, I got to the point where I understood why people did it. Um, I always had in my head, um, I, I know things are going to get better. I'm never going to go down that path and I was lucky that I didn't but it was only because my situation the fact that my family was quite open about it um put uh, put, put me under put me into care the care of a um a uh psych um oh, what's the word um, a counselor, thank goodness, and um, that sort of turned me around a little bit initially. Then, since then, I've been through a lot of dark patches that have definitely led me down close to that stage of um, suicidality. But I never went down that route, thank goodness. Okay, I never had that thought of I'm going to kill myself, which I'm very blessed to have had because of the amazing people that I've had around me in my life, my amazing friends. So bless you. If you've li- if you're listening to this, thank you. You know who you are. Um, but. Basically, now I'm a completely different person, completely new person, completely transformed. Um, and just to k- kind of give you give you a quick 10-second backstory so you understand why I'm so passionate about this. One of my close friends took his life because of anxiety, which is why I do talk about anxiousness a bit, um, quite a bit. And I do talk about stress quite a bit because it's a very important topic. Uh, so I really want to sort of push this. So now going back to the sort of um, that neurological pathway patterns that occur, okay, I want to talk a little bit about, before I jump into the neurology side of things, the brain side of things, I want to, I want you to understand that um, this first six years of life creating these patterns lead us into fearing the unknown, okay, because we're, we're constantly loved, we, we unconditionally loved, or we're very conditionally loved, meaning that you always have to do certain things in order to earn the respect and the love of your parents, or so you believe, okay, in your brain, you always want to make your parents proud, because you're constantly told, um, you're constantly compared to other people, you're constantly, um, you know, compared to what you could be, so constantly we're trying to put ourselves in a position where we're trying to make our parents proud, or we're trying to make certain people proud, or we're trying to make certain people recognize us, because we're not getting enough recognition, or we're getting too much recognition, okay, both of these are bad, so if, we, if you're getting too much recognition, too much love as a kid, you're into the real world, where you're not enough and all of a sudden you become very needy you become very desperate for connection you become very reliant on other people in order to make you fulfilled all right now vice versa if you're not getting enough what happens is we're desperately out there striving um to seek approval okay this is a constant sort of um, requisite so both ways can kind of lead you down to that down that path of constantly needing someone else um, in order to be fulfilled which can be quite a dangerous thing so of course that's something that we want to avoid. In order to avoid that, we need to um, go about actually recreating um, new new neurological pathways in the brain. So in order to do that, which is what I'm going to touch on in a second, um, there's there's a few things that you can do physically, but also down to um, something that's a little bit more spiritual, which I'll also touch on. 
Now, what usually happens um, because of these sort of weaknesses that go on, um, we create this fear of the unknown, okay? Because we start putting all these situations in our brain based off these neurological pathways. So if, if there was a thought of, um, I, I'm not good enough because I, I need to seek the approval of others in order to be more fulfilled, or I'm not good enough because I need someone else to make me happy, all right? Then we constantly have this fear of, what if this person rejects me? What if this person thinks I'm not good enough? Um, what if these people around me that I don't even know are thinking these certain things about me are thinking that I'm a little bit too fat because I'm in the gym or thinking that I'm doing this technique wrong when I'm doing this exercise in the gym or they're thinking that um, that the, the things I'm wearing just don't don't really match me or are thinking that my hair looks weird or whatever okay there's there's so many different things that people are th- that we think that people are thinking when really whenever they're thinking those things it's thinking they're thinking those things because they're externalizing their inner world okay meaning that they're the ones that are uncomfortable with that certain part of them so for example if they're constantly putting someone else down like oh that person's um, you know that person looks fat um, in the gym they're probably thinking that about themselves which is a crazy thing and but it's very truthful so I want you to first of all take that in now the fear of the unknown comes from a lack of trust within yourself okay so I'm going to quickly touch on this because I think it's very important to understand okay a lack of trust within yourself comes from the idea of um of of um self-betrayal basically okay so self-betrayal what self-betrayal is is basically when you tell yourself you're going to do something and you don't do it you're betraying yourself okay so i'm going to give you a real clear uh, example that's going to make a lot of sense to you okay and that we all do this and this is the reason why we enter stages or phases of life where we constantly hit these low like low stages where we, we lack confidence and we lack self-worth for some one reason or another but this is why okay what ha- what happens i'm going to give you an example okay what happens when a close friend of yours okay i want you to imagine this a close friend of yours tells you that uh they are going to i'm just had to kind of think of a particular example but they're going to give they're going to do a favor for you okay they've said um okay look look Karen bro um i'm going to um i i, I okay look Karen bro i've got your back um if 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 it looks okay you look okay Karen you're 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 at the bar you're going to go have a yarn with this girl um you know she's she's pretty good looking but i've got your back bro if you, if um if it looks like it's failing i'm going to come and help you out okay and then what happens if that guy if the my bro decides to not have my back, okay, decides to come in and swoop in and start talking to the girl himself, okay, that's a perfect example of betrayal, okay, so that's a perfect example of um, doing doing the exact opposite of what he's just said, okay, or not doing what he's just said at all, okay, so another example, okay, if they, if a friend said, hey, look, um, I, know, I'm, I know that you can't go to the grocery store today, so I've got you, bro, I'm going to go, I'm going to pick up dinner on the way home for you, so it's your flatmate, okay, or your roommate, Okay, and they don't do it. They don't bring you dinner. They don't. You, you don't have anything to eat. Okay, of course you're going to feel betrayed. Okay, you're going to lose. Tr- you're going to start losing trust in that person. Obviously, you're not initially, but over time, the more they do that, the more less you're going to trust them. You do that exactly to yourself. You do that exact thing to yourself as well. That's the crazy thing. It blows my mind. Um, when I started to realize this, it blew my mind because I didn't realize it, but you really do this to yourself, but you don't really put as much attention on it as you do to other people. Okay, we're always doing it to ourselves because we don't really think of it as a dangerous thing, but yet we need to trust ourselves. 
If we don't trust ourselves, we don't trust ourselves in unknown situations or uncertain situations. If we enter an uncertain situation and we don't trust ourselves, we are in, sort of in a position where we can't trust that we can handle a situation where we don't know the outcome. So an example is if you're going to talk to someone that for the first time, okay, a girl or a guy at the bar, okay, you don't know if you can handle a situation where they're going to reject you because that could happen. It's unknown. It's uncertain. You know, um, you know, you could get a date with them, or you could, um, or you could get completely rejected or a slap in the face, right? So you never know. Um. Ideally, not a slap in the face, that would suck. But um, anyway, the point is, is we need to build up trust within ourselves. So what I mean by we do this to ourselves is that if we are telling ourselves we're going to get up at 7.30am, but we snooze 10 times and get up at 8am, that's self-betrayal. We didn't do what we told ourselves we'd do. If we said we're going to meditate every single day for five minutes and we meditated for three minutes um, six times this week instead of seven times, um, that's self-betrayal. We didn't do what we said we were going to do. If we said we were going to stick to this diet for three weeks, all right, no matter what, when we stuck to it for two weeks and we're like, oh yeah, that's good enough and we gave up, okay, that's self-betrayal. We didn't do it. We're going to lose trust within ourselves leading to a lack of confidence and self-worth within ourselves. So it's leading to a whole lot of issues. So this is where that's where the the um, lack of self trust comes from, developing lack of self worth, um, developing a lack of self confidence. Okay, so this is where we really get into a position of fear of the unknown, fear of the uncertain. Uh, we don't trust ourselves in situations again that are uncertain. If we don't know the outcome, we we lose faith in ourselves. So for another example as well is um, a perfect example is a situation where you're starting a business. If you fear the unknown, you fear the uncertain. Business is super uncertain, super unknown. You're not wanting to do it. Um, another example is relationships and love. That's uncertain. That's unknown. You don't know how that's going to play out. Love is uncertain. It's the nature of love. So you, you almost don't want to fall in love or you don't want to allow love to occur or you sort of block off your feelings. So th- this is sort of the root cause of anxiousness and it's something that needs to be addressed. Now, going back to the neurology side of things, I kind of want to dive into the science of this because I want you to understand how practical and how scientifically true all this stuff is as to how you can repair it, okay? Now, anxiety and depression, yes, going back to what I talked about with depression, yes, there is genetics behind it, but it's epigenetics, not normal genetics, okay? So epigenetics, yes, they're hereditary, which is why you may or may not notice um, other family members with um, issues, okay? But, um, and why one third of the people in this world actually go through a stage of mental health issues, whatever that is, depression or anxiety or whatever it is, okay? Um, And that's why some people might get depressed at 10 years old, 20 years old, 40 years old, 80 years old, okay? Depression can come at any time. It's because epigenetics are inactive genetics. So the genetics, they're there, they're hereditary, you're born with them. But what happens is they only activate under certain situations, under certain occurrences, um, experiences, okay? Then if, say, um, someone that closely passed away, sometimes people go, um, their depression, they'll suddenly be depressed all the time for some reason. Even though they'll mourn, they'll get over the mourning, but then all of a sudden, they're still experiencing this depressive nature for some reason. It's because that epigenetic's been, been active, okay, which leads to new, new neurological patterns, but Again, even though it's been active, it means it can be undone. No, no, sure. Even though you know it's an active gene, it, um, it may it doesn't mean that you can do, to all of a sudden shut it off. But what it means is that because it creates new um, neurological pathways leading to these um, new thoughts and new beliefs, 
it means that these can be undone. So these sorts, these neurological pathways, these cellular beliefs can be undone um, through practice, okay, which is what we're going to get into. So these are these are sort of the um, this is sort of the science, more science behind it. Okay, so I want you to understand that um, yes, anxiety, yes, depression, yes, it's something that can can occur um, through these epigenetics. But it, and, and yes, you may more, be more susceptible than some if you've got these epigenetics. But it does not mean it's not curable. It absolutely is curable. It's healable. But it's progressive. Okay, we all experience stress. We all experience dark times. We all experience mourning at some stage. Okay, something that where we're, we're in grief. But um, again, these epigenetics um, may make you go through this experience more frequently, even if there's nothing that you can consciously notice or see that's producing this for you. So I want you to um, listen to me over the sort of next 10 to 15 minutes where I dive into a little bit of science for you so that you can understand as to why this occurs, what's happening in the brain, and how, and how when, while understanding this stuff, it can actually lead you to a feeling a little bit better about it because it's definitely curable once I explain this and once you understand it, but it also gives you an idea of how it's curable. So what you need to do about it and how actually it's very practical, excuse me, I just burped, uh, practical. Um, Oh, that's better. So what are beliefs? Okay, so beliefs, again, so beliefs aren't just thoughts. They're actually a clump of cells in the brain creating neurological pathways. They're our truth. It's not the truth. It's our truth. Our truth is completely different. This is why, again, when you're in a relationship, um, when we constantly believe that someone's doing something, okay, we're almost manifesting the situation because this belief is in our brain. It's our truth. We're manifesting it because we're pushing this person or creating opportunities for this person to do that certain thing, that certain belief that we have in our brain. So we go out and create it. It's a, it's a neurological pathway. It's a clump of cells that can be undone, but we need to do it. Okay. So Neurological pathways, I'm going to quickly explain it. It's basically neurons, which are nerve cells that transmit nerve signals to and from the brain. Like I said, the optic nerve is a perfect example where neurons are going to and from the brain to the eyes, to and from the brain, um, the eyes to the brain, whatever, okay? So um, that's that's an example of neurons which, um, which create, um, which go along pathways, okay? And um, these pathways, again, can be recreated or new pathways can be created and then old ones ignored, okay, or undone. So that's what we're going about. And this is where something called neuroplasticity comes into play. So neuroplasticity, another weird word, is basically the reprogramming of the subconscious and the reprogramming of new neurological pathways, neuropathways. Okay, so how this is done is through things like doing new action. So every time you do a new action, Okay, is um, there's a new pathway that's created. So every time that you have a new experience or um, you go about um, doing a new action or you do something that's out of the norm for you or then you respond a different way to how you would normally in a certain situation, this is going to lead to a new pathway being created. So for example, if you or if you enter a stressful situation with your manager at work, okay, so um, your manager at work tells you off, okay, if you normally would be withdrawn, okay, every single time this has happened and you sort of just do as you say, whatever, okay, but for some reason, one reason or another, um, this time you stand up to your boss, your manager, whatever, okay, you stand up to them, you're like, no, I've actually been doing my work, I've been doing this, this, and this, 
okay? That's creating a new neurological pathway into your brain. Um, and this is going to a instill that new neurological pathway, new pattern in your brain um, to a cellular level. But B, it's going to build more confidence because with this new pattern, you're going to take this new pattern and action it in other areas of your life. That's the beautiful thing. So neuroplasticity can be done through action, okay, which it should be done through action. Um, and the other way it can be done is through journaling. So journaling is an action, okay? So technically, um, experiences, actions, all that sort of thing is going to create these. So ultimately, we want to create more positive, more optimistic neuro um, uh, neuro pathways by doing these things. So a perfect example is keeping promises to yourself, like I talked about earlier. Instead of self-betrayal, we're doing personal promises that we keep, okay? And um, the best way to do this is to journal it, so write it. So Write down three to five things every single evening before you go to sleep. Um, what like with what you're going to do, what you're going to focus on, um, what you're going to accomplish the next day. It can be saying th- things such as I'm going to meditate tomorrow. I'm going to read ten pages of my book tomorrow. I'm going to learn um, X, Y, and Z topic for thirty minutes tomorrow. Um, I'm going to send these emails to these people tomorrow, okay? So it can be anything any, anything and everything, okay? I'm gonna hit my macros tomorrow. Um, I'm going to um, do a 20 minute workout tomorrow. I'm gonna to go for a run, anything, okay? There's just multiple examples. Just start with three, work your way up to five. Don't go more than five. Five's, anything more than five is just too much, okay? And it's gonna be overwhelming. You need to be able to hit them. If you can't hit them, you're just betraying yourself. Don't make them unachievable. Make them achievable. Make them so they're implementable into your current lifestyle, okay? So don't be silly with them. Be smart with how you implement them so you can action them, okay? And you can cross them off because the act of, first of all, instilling these new habits is going to make you feel good. It's going to improve self-trust, self-belief, okay? But the act of crossing them off and, and actioning them every single day is going to lead to you um, instilling that self-trust because every time you actually cross off something you've accomplished physically with a pen, there's a reward system that goes on in the brain, okay? The reward system part of the brain releases dopamine and serotonin um, and endorphins. And what happens with this is through that reward system, A, you're first of all um, more likely to do it more often because your brain likes it. It's kind of like, oh, this is pretty cool. But B, um, through that, you're actually improving um, the feel-good hormone response leading to decreases in like things like cortisol um, and other stress hormones, uh, which is ultimately going to mean that you're going to be in a better hormonal state uh, leading to a whole lot of good things, okay? Um, so being in a better hormonal state ultimately is going to mean that you're going to feel better because um, the hormonal response can absolutely uh, dictate your emotional response. Vice versa, your emotional response can dictate your hormonal response. So obviously, we want to try fix both. So putting your um, hormones in a better state is ultimately going to help you. So the again, actioning that crossing off of your uh, tasks that you're actioning, okay, uh, that, that you're really attending to is going to help with that reward system leading to a lot of positive uh, benefits, okay. So um, going on from there, I'm sort of losing myself now because um, I've had a crazy nonstop day. So my brain is a little bit freaking, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's the opposite of wired, put it that way. It's a, it's a bit jello right now. So, um, oh yeah, so basically whenever we have a stressful thought, um, actually going, talking on the talk of hormones, every time we have a stressful thought, we actually produce stressful hormones. The crazy thing is 
A literal thought can alter our hormonal profile. That's scary, okay? No kidding. They've related stressful thoughts to stressful hormones leading to disease, leading to sickness, leading to illness. So things such as um, constantly having um, certain stressful thoughts on the mind can lead to increased cortisol and increased adrenaline. Basically, um, things like um, your adrenal glands are going to be overactive, leading to an overactivity in the immune system and leading to uh, mitochondria defect efficiency, not efficiency, deficiency, which is a membrane in the cell that converts uh, energy that you eat into energy that you use. And if that slows down, your metabolism decreases, okay? Um, leading to th- um, issues um, in extreme cases like metabolic disorders, okay? Um, metabolic issues. So the idea of us um, that the stressful thought can literally alter your hormonal profile because increased cortisol um, decreases the amount of serotonin and dopamine you produce. So ultimately, um, that's decreasing your fat loss um, production, okay? So there's a whole lot of other issues that are going on, energy production, things like that. So which is why when you're constantly stressed, you're constantly tired because it's altering your hormones, leading to to, um, a lot of fatigue, not just mentally, but physically. So you need to be smart about um, the thoughts that you're allowing to, that are going through your head um, through creating new neurological pathways, not through blocking them, because blocking them is also using mental, um, your mental capacity to do so, and it's also empowering those negative thoughts. So never block out negative thoughts, allow them to be there, just don't give them power. So I'm going to get to that in a second, and that's through something like meditation. But um, ultimately, we want to go about that. The other thing as well is decreasing cortisol um, through supplementing things like vitamin C, ashwagandha, um, B-complexes are great examples of decreasing cortisol um, through there. But then also things like meditation is also going to help with our stress hormones, um, which I'm going to get to in a second on a more scientific basis. Okay. So now there's there's a whole lot of different things that um where there's good stress and bad stress. Okay. So good stress is stress that is more related to um, exercise, things like hiking, things like constant activity, things like going to the gym, maybe doing some CrossFit. Okay. That's all good stress on the body, which makes us more um, uh, less cortisol resistant. Okay. Or, um, yeah. So co- with cortisol resistance, what that is, um, is uh, you're not utilizing cortisol properly or efficiently, or when it comes up, it doesn't come down very quickly. So things like fasting is also really good stress on the body, which can lead to your um, uh, lead to your utilization of cortisol. Meaning that when you, when, um, even though that stress, that cortisol is being produced during these moments of fasting of activity, what happens is it goes down when it's meant to. Okay, so that's where you want that to be because you need cortisol to help improve stress on the cell, leading to efficiency in the metabolism. All right, but on the contrary, and also it's, it means improved immune response and all that sort of thing. But what happens is if you're not, if you're constantly getting a whole lot of bad stress, bad stress meaning the stress is prolonged, meaning cortisol is produced consistently and it doesn't go down um, through constant bad thoughts, negative thoughts. Okay, um, not focusing on yourself enough, constantly eating poorly. Okay, not treating your gut right. So um, or constantly overtraining. So or undertraining even. So this is bad stress on your body. So we, what we need to do is decrease the amount of bad stress increase the amount of good stress okay um and to um and to do and also the other thing as well is also to um, become more okay in the negatives so negative thoughts are going to happen like i said we're not blocking off the negatives but um we need to and by becoming better with good um by improving good stress in our system decreasing bad stress in our system we want to also become more okay 
with that, with that bad stress when it does happen because we're always going to run into issues in life, bumps in life, giants in our lives where we need to conquer but we need to be okay with them. We can't conquer them if we're not okay with them. We can't conquer them if we can't face them. Um, what I mean by that is a lot of the time we sort of block them off, we push them away. That's not facing them, that's actually trying to neglect them and actually giving them power that's making them stronger and it's um, creating a bigger issue later on in life because ultimately you're not doing anything about them. What needs to be done is that you need to become more okay with them, face them and then let them go. So that comes down to meditation, okay? So now there's different forms of meditation, okay? I'm gonna get into the science of meditation in a second, but meditation, ultimately, um, the meditation we want to achieve is the focus on our breath being centered and separating ourselves from our thoughts and our feelings and only engaging with the ones we want to, which is a beautiful thing. Um, ultimately, um, you're, the, you're the master of your mind, all right? And we need to be able to selectively engage with thoughts, selectively engage with feelings, and this comes down through meditation being an empowerment for us um, down to, this, um, down to the, um, the, the, the uh, cellular level in the brain and the neurological level in the brain, which um, I'll get into. So uh, again, becoming more okay in the negatives um, and um, being able to face them in that way is a beautiful thing. So with meditation, um, obviously, you know, you can do a seated meditation, you can do a lying down meditation, but ultimately, you know, you're being very centered. The um, a regressed version of this, um, a great way to think about it is um, if you just focus on your breathing for a few seconds, um, like when you when you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed and you just do like, you know, a few deep breaths, focus on the breath itself rather than think of anything else if you can. It's a great way. Another way is, is Iceman Hoff, Wim Hof, if you've heard of him, um, talks about um, forcing yourself into a meditation. A great way is to put yourself into an ice bath or a freezing shower first thing in the morning, okay? If um, your shower doesn't go cold enough, do an ice bath, okay? Um, it's something that is very powerful, not just down to the mental level, but down to the um, inflammatory level. Um, there's amazing benefits there, but ultimately, uh, you focus on your breath during this because there's li um, literally no other thought that's going through your brain at that time except for either your breath um, or staying alive because uh, you're freaking freezing. Like uh, if you're French, tabarnak. Anyway, um, that's uh, actually, sorry, that's not just French, that's Quebec of French. Anyway, uh, carrying on. So um, ultimately, we want to become more meditative. Another way is lying down on the ground, putting something on your belly, counting three seconds up and three seconds out. So... as an example, and that's all you're doing. You're lying on the ground or lying on your bed, put a soft toy in your stomach, put a water bottle in your stomach, anything, and just watch it go up and down for three seconds at a time and spend five to 10 minutes doing that. That's a great way to introduce yourself to meditation. Yoga and nature walks are also great. They're just great ways to introduce yourself. Just focus on your breath, focus on your surroundings as you do that stuff or focus on deepening your stretch and yoga, whatever it is, okay? So that's, that's an introduction to meditation. Ultimately, this is all leading to eventually being able to meditate first thing in the morning to start your day on a good note. Now, meditation has actually shown in science to increase not just the activation, but the literal size, the amount of gray matter in your prefrontal cortex and your left side anter um, anterior as well um, as a few other areas in the brain actually improve the gray matter in the areas, um, in these areas which are regulating things like positive emotion, consciousness, uh, things that um, also um, help with 
regulation and emotion, um, p- production of positive emotions, self-control, uh, attention and focus and memory. So there's a lot of things that are going on here that we're actually improving, not again, just the activation, but the literal literal size of the brain increases. And these are seen through brain scans. So yes, this is a legit thing. It's science-based. There's, you can, there's so many studies on it. You can look, just look it up, go scholar.google.com, okay? And you will absolutely find all this stuff, okay? Just, um, just look at all the studies there. Okay, the other thing it does is they did a test for six weeks on participants and they noticed that there was a 33% decrease in cortisol, which is your stress hormone. This is huge, one third drop in cortisol within six weeks on participants. They only medit- All they did was they meditated for 10 minutes each day for six weeks and they dropped cortisol by 33%. So that's incredible. So this is a great way to decrease bad stress. Uh, so also the other um, things to note is it um, improves immune function, decreases inflammation, um, and it also develops a deeper connection with yourself. So if connection is something you struggle with others, you normally need to look at the connection with yourself. Do you have a deep connection with yourself? Do you love yourself? Okay, this actually helps improve that. So there's many benefits behind meditation. My purpose behind this is actually trying to encourage you to do this because it's such a scientifically um, backed uh, strategy and method to help you around these areas. So I really do encourage all of this. Anyway, that's sort of the the basis of everything. Um, I know I've sort of been, I've made as many jokes on this one because I'm really wanting to sort of get this done so I can FaceTime my friend. Yeah, woo. Um, my, my bro, Jerry, Jezza, or uh, the Chigger, which is a Chinese nigger. Uh, that's what he calls himself anyway. <laughs> if you haven't looked, like literally, not even kidding, if you go to YouTube and look up Chigger, all right, there's, there's a song about it. Um, and uh, that's like a theme song. That's what he'd play if he was in an MMA fight and he was walking down and I was playing that Chigger song. That'll be his uh, theme song because what a boss. Um, anyway, um, that's basically it guys um honestly thanks thanks so much for listening i'm, I'm really sorry actually um I, I didn't i shouldn't have actually said the uh uh the, you know the chinese in uh n-word because um i know that's offensive to some people so i do apologize um about that that's actually not cool that i did that so i'm sorry um but um ultimately uh but putting that aside the um i, I do love that chigger song it's bloody brilliant and uh, my bro is an absolute bro, I gotta say. So he des- deserves the uh, the good old nickname. But otherwise, guys, I want you to have an amazing day going forward, and I really want you to start implementing this. I want to start you to start implementing um, keeping promises to yourself. The other thing I didn't mention about um, reprogramming the brain is journaling emotions you want to feel and things you want to behave like. So all like sorry behaviors that you want to behave behave like. My brain is honestly everywhere today. Um, I need a, I need to get a, I need to get a good night's sleep tonight, and I need to give myself more breaks during the day. That's what I need to do. Anyway, so um, journaling is a great way. So what you do is um, you write down I am, and and then you insert something there. So like I am in bliss today, or I am peaceful. Okay, or I am peaceful in situations I would normally be consumed by anxiousness. Or I am completely safe when I go to the supermarket if you normally get anxious, right? So that's an example. Or I feel content with myself when I would normally feel empty, okay? Or I behave with ambition and with passion in situations I would normally be demotivated 
and um, and and procrastinate. Okay, so that, that's just an example of things that you can write down in journal. So these are things I journal first thing in the morning, and this is a great way to, uh, to improve neuroplasticity through um, writing. Okay, so writing increases activity in the brain and the consciousness, leading to those new neuro... Um, neuropathways being developed, which is incredible. Okay, so anyway, guys, once again, that's everything from me. I'm, I'm sorry, I just sort of had to leave you with that tip. Um, remember to improve meditation, improve promise to yourself, start journaling, and start crossing off those new skills, okay? And if you can't meditate, then find a regress version of that and start working on that on a daily basis. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Subscribe to this, please. It does really help. Um, honestly, um, if you're going to leave anything less than a five star, I'm going to come and beat your ass no i'm kidding um and uh, you, you can leave leave less than five star if you want to just don't do it on um under pocket coach do it under a different podcast then it's all cool but um and also if you leave any um any honestly any reviews are, are amazing if and if it's bad or good okay i'm always taking it as critique okay obviously within like if, if there's good nature behind it that'll be amazing but um at the same time, I'm very open to critique, so please, please, please um, get back to me on that, even if it's through my Instagram, Headley Fitness, or my Facebook, Headley Fitness, or my YouTube, Kieran Headley Fitness. It's all very appreciated. And I've also started doing Instagram TV videos, uh, which are up to 10 minutes, and it's, I'm doing a health series at the moment to how to improve optimal physical and mental health. Anyway, once again, guys, that's it. Please, again, subscribe. Please tell a friend or please link this to someone and um, and let them know about this. If you can share it with someone, that would be incredible because I'm trying to reach as many people as possible to try impact as many lives as possible on this journey. And that's it, guys. Um, a little quick update for me over the next 30 seconds. Okay, I'm actually currently in Quebec at the moment, just leaving in seven days. In seven days, I fly to California to meet my friend Stephen Harvey. I'm meeting my friend Geordie Weber. If you guys uh, know them, they are absolute skucks, especially Geordie. He's a moldy skucks. What a skucks. Um, and... Uh, we're sort of um, hanging out a bit. Um, my bro Greg from Quebec might be joining us and we're going to LA for a few days and San Diego for a few days and um, Las Vegas for a few days. And um, Steve flies home. I go back to San Diego for a bit, hang out with my uh, bro Dane Pennick, um, who's an absolute baller, the biggest baller in Skucks that I know, um, like multi-millionaire sort of Skucks. And um, it's going to be very interesting. It always is when I'm with that dude. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good times in San Diego. Then I go back to LA to interview a bunch of people. So if you guys know anyone in LA that I could interview that's into their mental health, into their self-development, okay, please let me know. I would love that. Um, again, guys, thanks so much. Keep on, uh, keep on keeping on. Keep on being awesome. And I'll catch you later. Cheers.